0: The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Vince. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Love City. I do most of the Bible teaching But uh, we are in a series right now where uh, I'm switching off with some other brothers, and they are uh, helping to fill the pulpit and and teach us God's Word, so really thankful for that. And uh, Brother Adam's going to preach tonight, uh, but part of what he asked me to do in in setting him up, uh, it just so happened that uh, something I had happen this week is going to help him. So uh, if you didn't hear about it, uh, on Wednesday, I was heading down to our weekly outreach, and uh, basically... The long and the short of it is, uh, today, instead of a church service, you guys could have been doing my funeral, because a tractor trailer put me into the wall, uh, and it wasn't like it bumped me or it got close. I'm I'm talking about grinding, flying through the air, crazy, video-worthy stuff, if it would have been there. Uh, The the trucker himself, uh, the officer that showed up afterwards, the tow truck driver that came, and the guy that stopped and ran up to make sure I wasn't dead, everybody said, I cannot believe that you're walking away from this. And... Uh, the reason I'm talking to you about it is because I don't really believe in coincidence and I don't believe a whole lot in luck. And so when enough people start saying something, that leads me to the conclusion that God's hand was upon me, okay? And so I'm just hoping that somebody in here is glad that y'all ain't preaching my funeral today. Amen? I'm real happy about it and I give God the glory for it. I know whose hand was upon me. The psalmist in Psalm 3 verse 3 says, "O oh Lord, you are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. And God is that shield to us. He is faithful and he is worthy to be praised. And I'm telling you right now, there's some things that I know, I I think I already knew, but I really know them now because apparently the Lord's not done with me. Because the way this thing went down, the details, I'm talking about the intricate details, friends, the the little things, if one little thing would have went different, everybody that saw it said, I wouldn't be here to be praising God in front of you right now. And so I know God has more work for me to do. You know, I got to be honest, there was a few moments where I'm like, come on, Lord, that could have been... You know, I could, have been in, I could have been in rest and left them to figure it out, but that, that, Paul said to live is Christ, to die is gain. So I'm living to Christ, apparently, for a little while longer. So y'all are stuck with me, and we're going to keep doing this thing. We're going to keep on marching to the glory of God and to see this gospel spread to the ends of the earth. So I hope you're excited about that.
0: Thank you. All right. Uh, as you guys know, I'm Adam. I uh, do a lot of stuff here, mostly sound and stuff like that. I wanted to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to preach here. Um, yeah, this, I, I, I'm handling this miracle in Luke. So Luke chapter 7, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Um, but while you're getting there, I kind of want to just take a look at what happened right before what we're going to talk about. And it's the centurion and the miracle of faith that Jesus says, look at the faith this guy has. This is amazing. That's what we're talking about Right before the miracle that I get to handle tonight, which I'm very excited about. And it kind of reminds me of what happened with Vince this week, which is why I wanted to get to kind of talk about this. You see, we're at this point where something amazing happens for God. Jesus leaves in a large group of people. He just got his disciples together like three or four chapters before. So you have this large group. You have his disciples and everything on this high of, oh my gosh, look at that level of faith this person has. And they're going from there and they're walking and Jesus takes them to the middle of nowhere. He literally takes them six miles away from Nazareth, which is in the middle of nowhere, to a small town. So we look at what God did to Vince this week, we look at what God did in the miracle before this one that we're getting ready to talk about, and we see the similarity to where there's this really big high point. There's this really big, wow, that was great faith. Let's follow this guy. Let's go with this guy. Let's see what he does next. Let me learn from him. Let him deal with my suffering. So this miracle that we're going to talk about, the one after it, if you're reading it, starts out real sad. And I want to talk about that in a different perspective. You see, when I was younger, I went to a church called Courts of Praise. I know a lot of you guys went there with us. Um, the story I'm gonna bring up happened when I was about eight years old. So I remember hearing about it. I remember seeing the effects of it. But I want you guys to hear this story and kind of understand how you would feel that people would feel around you when you hear this. There were these three guys, they were getting ready to leave church one day. And they got out onto Tyler'sville Road, which is a church right by where we all grew up. The road, rather. They were, like many of us have done, driving fast, racing each other. Two guys, about 18, in the front. Another guy, about 18, following them. The guy driving the two-car lost control going into one of the turns, hit an elderly couple dead on, and all four were killed. This really impacted the church family I had growing up. I mean, they were prominent people in the church. Their families were there. They were on the platform singing. They were big people. We felt it hard. And so did their immediate family hard. You see, they had lost a son. There were tears shed, tears for friends that were gone, tears shed for lives that were lost forever, tears for futures lost. These two young men lost their life when they had everything in front of them, so much so that people avoided that part at Tylersville Road, even driving, because the memory of what happened there was too painful for them. Okay, so now imagine you're the mother of one of these guys. You had lost your son tragically and early. And now think about you burying your husband a couple years earlier. So you lost the living memory of your son, of your husband, through your son, the guy who's gonna be there to help protect you and to help get you and to help move you through the loss of your husband. You just lost that on top of your husband. Let's pray real quick. Dearly Father, I pray that right now we just feel the loss that this woman had. Pray that we can see the situation that they're in, that we can know how good you are and we know that you're gonna work this out for your good, but we pray that our hearts stay available and welcoming and open to your word and to your scripture. I pray that you guide me tonight and let these words land like they should. Thank you for that. In your name I pray, amen. So this is the environment that Jesus was walking into. This feeling we're in right now is the type of place that Jesus was getting ready to walk into. Let's go ahead and read Luke 7, starting at verse 11. Afterwards, he was on his way to a town called Nain. The disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. When the, Lord, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up, touched the open coffin, and the pallbearers stopped. And the young man, I tell you, get up, is what he said. The dead man sat up, began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. First thing I want to point out here is that I believed this actually happened. Luke is a physician. He is going back checking what's happening in this story. So biblically speaking, I believe the physician did his research and said, that man was dead and then he was not. So now that we have that out of the way so you don't can think this is allegorical or anything, this, this young man actually died. So now back to what Jesus was walking into. So Jesus knew the situation he was walking into and he chose a moment that was full of pain, isolation, and void of all future support for the widow to do this miracle. Jesus chose the middle of nowhere to go and help a woman when he was being followed by a bunch of people who were ready to take his help. This kind of gets to what some theologians go with the doctrine of election, where Jesus chooses where he's going in life, and he goes there, and we are along for the ride. So, This is a time when in the world, your family was instrumental in how you lived life. This woman already lost her husband and now her son. I don't think it's a stretch to say that before this, years before, she's having a good life. She's in her small town surrounded by family. She's got a loving husband. God's gave me a son. That's where she is and now we go in And not only is the town helped carrying out her son, but years before, that same town helped carry out her husband. Now, in this time, there's not Social Security or retirement plans, especially in a really small town in the middle of nowhere. This lady lost all of her protection. She lost her provision. She lost her ability to really not be a beggar. This is what this woman lost, and this is where she is right now. Jesus goes to that woman at that level of pain and suffering. 13 says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't cry. Now, when you look at the words that Luke used to describe Jesus' feelings here in this moment, it's visceral, it's a physical thing. Just like Jesus had that groaning when he went to see Mary and Martha with Lazarus, he felt it. He had a strong physical emotion of compassion for the loss that this woman was having. Now, looking about this, trying to find an idea to to kind of pull it up to modern times, imagine this. Imagine, like, today was beautiful outside. Imagine you're sitting on your front porch. You got a sweet tea, just relaxing as people go by. All of a sudden, you see this family. You see a mom, dad, dad little boy, and the family dog playing around, having fun. Ooh, watch me, like, jumping around and stuff. You see them, and you're just like, man, that's, that's awesome. I, I want that. I, I'm, I'm happy that they're doing that. I wish that I can do that. And then as you're watching them, you see a little squirrel come down. Dog goes off. Boy gets pulled in the street. And you're watching there, and all of a sudden, out of it, you just pulled. And you're like, hey, hey, you're, you're yelling at them. And you're saying, hey, did you see that your kid just got pulled away? You have this insane act of compassion, and oh, this little boy who I don't even know, but I love him, and you need to, do you see this? This is the level of compassion that Jesus is having walking into this. He's saying, don't cry, don't, no, like I have, I have compassion for you. This is what Jesus is going into here. It's a feeling from deep inside for perfect love for somebody, and you are feeling that pain. Then Jesus told the woman don't cry. This is not a, you'll be all right, champ. Don't cry. We'll get them next week. It's not one of those types of don't cry, but rather it's a genuine act of comfort because he knows what's about to happen. Jesus knows what's about to happen, and he's about to show these people, which when you look at Luke, this is kind of what he's been doing for the last little bit, who he is. He's the guy who can say your faith is so good later on. He's the guy who can say sins are forgiven. Right here, he's showing he's a God who raises from the dead. And looking at it, I can almost picture... Okay, so imagine you're in kids' class here. If, you know, Hopefully you all serve. If not, you know, we're taking applications. But imagine you're in kids' class here, um, <laughs> and you get that kid who's just crying when they come in because they don't really put it together that when mom leaves, she's not coming back. They're just not at that connection point. And you're holding this kid, he's crying, and you're looking at him, you're saying, it's gonna be okay, I know what's coming, your mom's coming back, you're not alone, it's gonna be okay. This is the type of don't cry that this lady is being told. So then he comes up and he touches the coffin. The pallbearers stopped and he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak And Jesus gave him to his mother. Okay, so Jesus touched the coffin. Now, I've been through a lot of funerals in my life, a lot of family, some friends. I don't think I've ever touched the coffin. Even when it is open casket or closed casket, I don't think I've ever touched it. See, in that time, even now that I don't, and we're in modern times, back then, they definitely didn't touch it because touching the coffin made you unclean. So touching the coffin and going close to it made you unclean, and this would have stopped everybody, which is why the pole bearers just stopped. Like, whoa, crazy guy just touched the coffin. This guy is now unclean. What do we do? Everything stops. See, in Numbers 19, 13, it says, anyone who touches the body of a person who has died and does not purify himself defiles himself, I mean, defiles the tabernacle of the Lord, that person will be cut out of Israel is remains unclean and remains unclean the water until the water of impurity has not been sprinkled on him and his uncleanliness is on him still. See Jesus is under the covenant. So on one side you have holiness, you have sin, you have unclean, you have clean, you have life, you have, life, you have death. So to make sure those hands are right. But cleanliness and, and uncleanliness is associated with holiness and sin. It's associated with life and death. Jesus just went up and touched something that put him on the side of death. Now, I don't want to get back, and I don't want to get really deep into here, into what Jesus would have had to do to get clean in that moment, if he was just a regular person. Um, Talk to me, Andrew, or something like that afterwards. We can talk about it. But it's a lot knowing that people were shocked that somebody would actually touch this. So again, we see Jesus showing these people who he is. He is looking. He comes into the situation. He touches something that is death and unclean. And instead of becoming unclean, brings life. Yeah. This is what Jesus does right now. So, the next part, and oh, this is okay. So, about three or four days ago, I got real crazy. Uh, for about three hours, I was pacing around a fire pit in my backyard. I called Vince, Jordan, Vince, Jordan, my parents, my brother-in-law. I was calling everybody I knew because what's coming up was just getting me. I I, I was literally, I was hoping they would call the cops and be pacing around my fire pit so I could witness to the police officers when they made sure I wasn't on anything. Like, I was crazy drunk walking around my backyard the other day. Um, And this is it because the boy, because Jesus commands the boy to get up. So when when Jesus does other miracles in the Bible, kind of like Vince said the other day, um, you know, give the guy like a spiritual wet willy or something to open up the ears, he didn't do that. He just said it. He literally just said, get up, and the boy's like, hello. Like, he sits right up. Okay? So (laughs) the only thing here is that he speaks, and the boy listens and gets up. See, he was dead in the flesh, but his spirit was alive, and it listened This is an example of death not being permanent for us on earth. This is it. So let's take take a look here. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18. Pull it up real quick here. That's the wrong one. I got it right here. Oh, here it is. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first... Then we who are alive still, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is saying that Jesus, all he has to do is speak and say, hey, come up. And you know what? He already did it in Luke. So we know that when it says he's going to do it in Thessalonians, we know we serve a God who can do it. That's, no, it's so, I like this a lot. Sorry. Um, All of us, all of us know. Jesus will will hear Jesus' voice and be risen with him. All the suffering that he experiences on earth, all the pain of death and everything like that is just going to go away because Jesus is going to say, now's the time, come up with me, and those who are in Christ go. And by the way, those funerals that we went to for those believers who have passed away already, they get to go first, and we get to look up and say, I guess I got to wait a second, but I still get to go. That's how good God is. So, You see this happening, and then there's a fear that comes over everyone, which to me, appropriate response. I don't know what I would do if I was at a funeral. guy I don't know walks in with a bunch of people walking behind him and says, get up, and that body goes, hello. I would be a little scared. Um, Just saying, (laughs) it would would get me. Um, So fear seems like a good reaction, but immediately they switched. They were afraid, and then they glorified God that's what happened. So Jesus did something that the sole purpose of was glorifying God and that's the result that happened. So this might, this might be a little bit of a tangent. Um, kind of a, I don't know if it's a pet peeve or like a personal thing that I'm working through that I want to put out there. Um, when you witness someone being raised from the dead and you immediately go to glorifying God and not the person who raised them from the dead, that's a good response. In your own life, When you have something good happen to you, thank the person, but glorify God and not the thing that brings you. Make sure all glory goes to God, and no matter the vessel he uses to bring it, that's where the glory goes. Okay? All right, so there's my tangent. and Like I said, I got a lot of things in my life that I didn't give God glory to immediately, and I had to go back and look at it. Okay, so next thing that we're talking about here and why this is so important, because one of the things they say is that Jesus is a great prophet, He hasn't revealed to him yet that he's more than a prophet, so this is what the congregation kind of comes up with. Well, the reason they say he's a great prophet is because this miracle has been done before. So if we go back to 1 Kings 17 19 through 24, you guys don't have to go there. I'll do it. And I'll just go ahead and do a quick read here so you can see what's happening. But Elijah said to her, Give me your son. So he took him from her arms, brought him to the upstairs room where he was staying, and laid on him in his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, have you also brought this tragedy, tra- tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out of, the boy, out of the body's boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. So the Lord listened to Elijah, and the boy came to life, and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upstairs room into the house, and gave him to his mother, and Elijah said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. Now, you might say, Oh, yeah, that that is similar. No, if you look at this in the languages, the Latin, the Septuagint, where they talk about these two, when he comes down and says, this is your son, it's the same words. They're drawing a direct comparison to saying, we know that Jesus is a great prophet because they don't know the full story because he's mimicking and doing something that that God has already done. But Jesus is more than a prophet. He did not have to lay over the body to bring the boy back to life, Jesus, like we said before, just had to speak, and it happened. See, the people who witnessed this miracle could not see who Jesus was because the revelation had not been made known to them yet, but they could see that God had sent someone to them at this point in time. See, Jesus did actions that glorified God. We're called to be like Christ. Our actions should glorify God as well. So let's take a look. Now, what we're seeing here, Jesus has shown compassion towards this widow that was not asked for, spoke to the dead body, and it came back to life, gave this boy a second chance at life, gave this mother, her child, provider, protector back, caused people to worship God, and prove that he is at least a great prophet. So out of these things, I just want to focus on a couple more things for a little bit here. Um, second chances is the first one. There are two people in this story who have gotten a second chance. This man gets to live his life, and this mother gets to have her son. We serve a God who gives second chances, so don't be afraid or pulled down by your past. Yes, you know, forgiveness needed, learn from, move on, but you're not weighed down by. You see, The sin is dead, and we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So realize that we serve a God who is not holding it against you, but rather wanting you to develop. All right? Yep, second chances. That's a big one. It hit me a lot because I'm probably on like 40 or 50 chances. I don't even know. It's a lot. Uh, Compassion. This is another one. Compassion is defined as a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate. See, Jesus had compassion in a visceral way. See, Jesus, there's this thing called the hypostatic union, and it means that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. So the compassion side, coming in from this man side, right? Jesus has felt the pain of stubbing his toe. He's felt the pain of his friend turning his back on him and selling him. He's He's felt the pain of Mary and Martha realizing they lost Lazarus. He has felt the pain and the suffering and has compassion to all of that because that is the effects of sin on this world and it's what he's come to save us from. Yeah. This is the level of compassion that having a God who is 100% man and 100% God brings us. Now there's the other part of that, which is the power side. We serve a God who's 100% God and man So not only does he have our compassion and can he feel it, he can do something about it. That's pretty awesome to me. I don't know. Just looking at it, like this pain that he goes in and he sees, he gets to tell her don't cry because he knows he's about to do the thing to undo the pain and suffering in this woman's life. We serve a God who can understand the effects of sin in our life and then remove them. That's who we serve. Okay? So... Hmm, that got me real good this week. Um, The other thing I want to talk about here is that there's another group in this text that we really haven't talked about a lot this entire time, and that's the large crowd, right? Like I said earlier in Luke, a couple chapters before, he gets the disciples, he starts building this following. Right after this, John the Baptist is about to say, who is this guy, you know, pulling him out that way. So he's right at that point where he's starting to prove who he is in this scale going forward. So... I wanna talk about the large crowd. To think that they all have sufferings and that they are following Christ around to get, help alle- to get help alleviating these sufferings from their own life, probably not crazy. You see someone healing people. You see someone, you know, oh, just the faith alone. You see people are gonna follow that because that's what they want. I'm gonna be drawn to this person. So the people following Jesus as he takes them a day's walk to a village that's, this is the only time it's mentioned in the bible you think they don't need something you think they don't have pain and suffering that they have of himself and then he's not aware of that as he's walking not healing their pain and suffering he is he knows where he's going he knows why he's going where he's going i don't know why jesus didn't solve every pain and suffering on the earth while he was here That's not my knowledge to have. I don't know everything. But I do know that Jesus solves pain and suffering. Eventually, like now, he did it here, then he'll do it for us in the resurrection. So God has this knowledge above our understanding. Suffering is painful and God is good. We will not understand the things and why they happen to us at earth because we aren't God and we're still going to worship him. So... Those people following Jesus, asking him, will you help me, will you help me? And he says, it'll come in the future. It'll come, it'll come, but it's not immediate. You see almost us saying, hey, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna ask God, because it's gonna happen when it happens, on God's time, okay? Now, the last thing here, which to me is one of my favorite things uh, that I really wanna hit on, and that is that this miracle images, salvation. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful how, how it does it. It's, you see in Ephesians 2, it says this, and you were dead in your trespasses in sin in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit, now working in the disobedient. We, too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were, by nature, children under wrath, as others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace." He also raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yours, it is a it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are worksmen under I mean we are worksmen created in Christ, Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You see, we had an actual dead body in a coffin that Jesus rose to life. We were all dead in sin. We could not have gotten ourselves out of this coffin and out of this state without Jesus touching our coffin, raising us up, and making us alive in Christ. And wait for, oh wait, the dead guy didn't ask for. Jesus came in your sin, in your pain, in your disobedience. He touches your coffin, and he raises you to life in him. Now, what's that creating right now? Right now, that's creating this thing where, wait, I'm alive in Christ, but I'm not with him in heaven. It's it's like already not yet dynamic. So we're already alive in Christ. We already have this feeling, this, oh, I get to be with Jesus It's great, we have this already, I'm ready, I'm there. But we're not yet there. So what does that mean we do in the meantime in this kind of dynamic? It means we live our lives for Jesus. It means we tell other people about the kingdom because like I said before, and my little bit of a tantrum there, I mean, not tantrum, tangent. Someone has to say the words for God to be glorified. Somebody has to do the action for God to be glorified. Our goal in life right now is to be the vessel that God can use so that he is glorified to help pull others from a life of disobedient sin to him. All right, so as we get ready for worship here, I want to I think about a couple of things and as we pray and get ready for it. God feels our pain. He has power to solve our pain, and one day he will. We will overcome all the effects of sin that Jesus has calls on our life when he calls us up to heaven. Let us now look for ways to bring others with us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the ability to talk about your word, to talk about your resurrection, to talk about my purpose in life, to talk about how to direct my actions so that they glorify you. God, motivate me. Call me use me, and help me be stronger because I know that you have saved me and that I can be a vessel to where you can use me to help save others. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give,